many people today are walking around without peace. Internal conflict and turmoil keep them from ever experiencing real peace. And they put on a good face in public, but in private, their inner turmoil and strife steals any real hope of peace. We often think of peace as a lack of conflict. Peace is when everything in my, in my life is exactly as it should be. There's no conflict. There's no pain. There's no hardship. There's no struggling. There's nothing bad going on in my world at all. And while this is a type of peace, it is not the kind of peace the Bible promises that we can have. Instead of there being peace because nothing is wrong in my world, there is peace in spite of things that are wrong in my world. Billy, descri- Billy Graham described God's peace in this way. In Christ we are relaxed and at peace in the midst of the confusions, bewilderments and perplexities of this life. The storm rages, but our hearts are at rest. We have found peace at last. That really describes the peace that the Bible promises that we can have. God's peace allows us or allows our hearts and minds to be at peace no matter what is going on in our lives. No matter what storms we're facing or trials, tribulations we're going through. But what if we are those people who put on a good face in public but really have no peace in private? That's what we're going to talk about today. Open your Bible to John chapter 14. Verse 27, it's page 824 in your pew Bibles. When you find that, I'm going to ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. So we're going to look at this one verse. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The title of the message this morning is The Peace of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you for your grace and your goodness. We praise you for the peace that we can have in Jesus Christ. Father, we ask you today to help us to experience your peace. Help us to understand what your peace is, what it does, how we can have it. Help us, Father, to be a people who live at peace in a world filled with strife. Help us to be committed to you, devoted to doing the things that you would want done. God, today that our hearts and minds would be clear and focused upon you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I can speak your words and your ways for your glory. Help us to respond in ways that testify of your Lordship over our lives, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus says that his peace is different than the peace that the world gives. Today what I want to do is explain, really we have six points if you look at your bulletin, but it's not going to be as long as it sounds. What I want to do is give you three reasons that Jesus' peace is different than the world's peace, and really three reasons why Jesus' peace is is greater than the world's peace. And then I want to give three practical steps that we can take to ensure that we can experience this peace. The first truth about the peace of God is this, that Jesus is my source of peace. The world offers us a lot of sources for peace. The world tells us that there is peace in financial security, right? As my bank account is big, as my stocks are good, my 401k is fine, then I have peace. The world says that I can have success as peace. As long as I'm being viewed as a success by my peers, I'm being promoted, I'm going up the ladder, then I, am, then I have peace in my life. Politics is a source of peace for many people. If my political party is in charge and they are making the right laws, then I have great peace in my life. Good health 
As long as me and my family are healthy, there's no sickness or disease, then I am good to go. And then stability or comfort. That's just basically the general idea that everything is as it should be. Right. As long as I'm comfortable, as long as everything in my life is going along in the way that I think it should be, I can have great peace. And while the the world offers these multiple views of peace, these things really aren't incredibly stable. Right. These things all fluctuate. And as they fluctuate, so will our peace. Right. If my bank account is up, then I have great peace. Uh, we have a retirement plan and every month I get a statement and some months it's up and some months it's down. If my peace is built on financial security, then on the months it's up, I have great peace. And on the months that it comes that it's down, all that peace is not so much. And it's really the same with all of them. There's peace when I get promoted. There's no peace if I'm passed over for a promotion. There's peace as my political party is in charge, but there's an election coming and that peace may be lost as things may shift drastically. Uh, ever, we all know that good health is really a doctor visit away from finding out something is different. And so from how I feel to what's going on, all of that can change. And, and, and just there's a constant fluctuation of our peace when we are looking at the world for peace. But the Bible offers us not multiple sources for peace, but just one. Jesus. And that's what Jesus says here. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Right? Jesus alone is our, our source of true peace in life. And, and one of the reasons this is so important is that he doesn't fluctuate. He doesn't change. Right? The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change with the stock market. He doesn't change with the world news. He doesn't change with our latest test results. Jesus is always the same. He can always be our source of peace. He can always have peace through Jesus Christ. So we have this one source of peace in Jesus. But also, I can always have peace. And this is such an important truth to understand. When we look to the world for peace, as I've already mentioned, our peace is always going to be in a state of flux. And so it rises and falls with the news, the stocks, health and all of those things. And so it seems to say I can't have peace. Right. I can only have peace when things are going the way that I think they should. But Jesus explains that we can always have peace. Right. As believers in Jesus Christ. There should be a peace in our lives at all times. There, it is possible for us to have a peace in our lives at all times. Because Jesus is stable. Jesus doesn't change. And, and really, I think a better way to look at it is to say that Jesus has given us peace as a gift. Right? He says here, my peace I leave with you. Or peace I leave with you. My peace I, I give to you. Right? It is a, a gift that he gives us. When we look to the world for peace, it's constant. We have to work to maintain peace. We have to work to make the peace. We have to work to keep everything just right so that there is peace. But in Christ, peace is a gift we are given. It is something that Jesus himself gives to us. And when Jesus gives us something, the world cannot take it away. Now, we can let the world steal it, but the world can't actually take it. Peace is is a gift that he gives us. And this is something that we see all throughout Scripture. Romans, it says, And now, may God who gives us his peace be with you all. Amen. And I love that. God who gives us his peace. Not the God who, who might give us his peace. 
or the God who could give us his peace, but the God who does give us his peace. Right? That is something that God does give to his people. Right? Another passage in Romans. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? So the God of hope can fill us with not only joy, but also with all peace so that we can abound in hope. Now, this is, again, it's one of those things where it doesn't matter what's going on. Regardless of the circumstances of my life, I can be filled with all joy and all peace and have hope. That is something that God gives to me is his peace. And then even in the Old Testament, this was a promise. The Lord will give us strength, give, give, give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. I like that it calls peace a blessing. He will bless his people with peace. Right? Because, you know, the world we live in is often filled with trials and turmoil, strife, and, and all kinds of things. And to be able to have peace in, in all that goes on in the world around us, that is a great blessing. Right? And it is a blessing that God can give us. And the point of all of these verses is that as a believer in Jesus Christ, I can Always have peace. And then the final truth about God's peace is that God's peace is greater than my circumstances. God's peace is greater than my circumstances. The peace that God wants us to have and the peace that God does in fact give us. It is not dependent on circumstances. And I think this is probably the most important truth about God's peace that we can understand. Because there is a, an often taught idea that if you have enough faith and if you live just right, you can basically live a problem-free life. Right? That you can live a life without trials and without hardships and without difficulties. And while this is commonly taught, it is patently false. In fact, I'm convinced it is so... So false, it is demonic. It's not just a wrong idea, it is an evil idea. And me saying that this idea is demonic may sound harsh or a little strong, but let me explain why I believe it is. Think of the, the story that Jesus taught of the different soils. He taught of one soil that was shallow soil that received the word of God with joy and began to grow. And then trials and tribulations began to beat down on that soil. And what was growing, it fell away. It, it died and ceased to grow. The point of the story is they didn't have roots. Right? The people who, who receive the word with joy and begin to grow but don't have roots, they have this idea that, that life is supposed to be easy once we come to Jesus. That once we come to Jesus, he fixes all the problems that are going on. He makes everything right. And, 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 when, and as long as that's the way, well, then they grow and they're joyful. The fact of the matter is trials and tribulations come to everyone. There is no way to live in this world. A sinful, cursed, fallen world produces trials and tribulations and there is no escape. And if I believe that Jesus' job is to be the linebacker that protects me from problems and trials, and then problems and trials are happen, what happens to my faith? It weakens. 
And over time, it dies. Right? You think about how many people came to Jesus expecting that he would fix everything. And then when things weren't fixed, they fell away. Right? They, they received it with joy. They began to, to go forth, but the problems were still there. More problems came besides that. And then they turned and they walked away from Jesus. Why? Because they believed a lie. The lie they believed was that living for Jesus means living an easy, problem-free life. That is not the truth. The peace that Jesus gives is not a peace that frees us from problems. It is a peace that enables us to deal with problems, knowing that he is in charge. It is a peace in the midst of troubles. And I think Jesus alludes to this here. He says, let not your, because I give you this peace, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. But what Jesus alludes to here, he explicitly states later on. Look at this. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world. Notice, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus promised that we will have tribulation in this world. But despite the fact we have tribulation, we can still have peace because He has overcome. And all throughout Scripture, it is filled with stories. People of God who had peace in the midst of trials and hardships. Think about Paul and Silas. That's my favorite example. They go to Philippi and they begin to preach the gospel. They're doing exactly what God wanted done. They are in the will of God. They went where God told them to go. They're preaching the gospel. There is a, a girl there possessed by a demon who brings her master's prophet by telling the future. And she follows them around saying, these are servants of the Most High God. And finally, Paul has all he can take of this demon-possessed woman being a slave and being oppressed. And he casts the demon out of her. The owner, recognizing that his hope for money from this girl is gone, has Peter and Paul, Peter and Paul, no, Paul and Silas arrested. They are beaten. They are thrown into prison. And there they remain for the night. Now you think about all that's led to them being beaten and imprisoned. God told them to go to Macedonia, and that's how they ended up at Philippi. They were preaching the gospel, which is what they were there to do. They freed a woman from demonic oppression. Now, does any of that sound like they're not doing God's will? Does any of that sound like they don't have faith in God? No. They have all kinds of faith. They're doing exactly what God wants done, the way He wants it done, when He wants it done. And yet, despite that, they find themselves beaten and imprisoned. <laughs> They didn't understand. They had not get the memo that faith frees you from trials. They didn't get the memo that serving God means you have a problem-free life. So there they are. Now what are they doing? Are they whining and complaining? Are they overwhelmed with burdens and trials? No. The Bible says that at midnight they were singing and praising God. And all the other inmates heard them. Their lives were certainly not free of trials. Their lives were certainly not free of problems. But in the midst of all of that was going on, they had great peace. The peace that God will give us 
It's not a peace that frees us from troubles and trials. I wish it was, but it's not. But really, it's greater than that. It is a peace that can enable us to sing and praise God at midnight after being beaten and wrongfully imprisoned. It is a peace that can cause us to keep on going on when things are not working the way that they should. It is a peace that says, I, I don't understand, but I trust Jesus. That is the peace that God wants us to have. That is the peace that God will give us. So how do we, what can we do so that we can have this kind of peace? First, we have to focus on Jesus. Have you ever noticed how easy it is in the midst of a, a problem to focus on the problem and not, not Jesus? That the, the trial comes up, the problem comes up, and rather than thinking about Jesus and what he's done, we think about the problem and what's going on. And what, what I found is when this happens, that doesn't make anything better. Right? When I take my eyes off of Jesus, the problem doesn't solve itself. The problem seems worse than it was before. In fact, I have found that when I focus on the problem, I am more discouraged than I am at any other time. I I despair more than I do at any other time. If I'm ever in a point where I want to give up and run away, I can always say it's because I'm looking at the problem instead of Jesus. Focusing on Jesus helps us to have peace in the midst of the problem. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. To to have our mind stayed on Jesus, it is to make a conscious effort to think about him during the trial and during the trouble. It is to make a conscious effort to focus on who he is and what he's done despite the problem and the trial that I'm going through. You say, well, how does that help? Well, when we remember that Jesus is in control, we won't despair over the turn of world events. We just got through saying, this is my Father's world. Now, though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. There is, there is peace in focusing on that. There is peace that comes from knowing that it doesn't matter what happens with the elections or the economy or Iran. God is still God. He is still sovereign. He is in control. And in the end, He wins. When we remember that Jesus is all-powerful, we know that He can handle any problem we may encounter. One of the things that happens is we forget that what He can do. Right? The, the storm seems enormous when we're focused on the storm. But when we're focused on Jesus, we remember that He's greater than the storm. Right? The, the problems of life are often beyond our control. You know, very often there's not any way for us to just fix it. But God is greater than the problems. Jesus is all powerful. And regardless of what we're going through, and it's, the fact is beyond our power. It doesn't have anything to do with what he can do. He is greater yet. When remember that Jesus is all knowing, we won't be worried about the future. What will happen at the next election? What's going to happen with Iran? What happens in the next couple of years? I don't know. But Jesus does. 
He's well aware of everything that's going to happen, every decision that's going to be made, every world leader that's going to come to power, everything that's going to happen. He's already planned for it. He's already prepared for it. He is all knowing of it. And I can have peace in that knowledge. And then when we remember that Jesus loves us, we live confidently knowing that he wants only what is best for us. He's never stopped loving us. He's not changed his mind. It's hard in his mind. He loves you. He loves me. And that is a guiding force behind all that he sends or allows into our lives. We can trust in that. Key is, though, that we have to keep our minds focused on Jesus. I think one of, the, one of my favorite stories that shows this is Peter walking on the water from Matthew 14. Now, if you're familiar with the story, Jesus sends the disciples across the lake, across the sea, and he says, he sends them to go across without him, knowing that a storm is coming. Right? So keep that part in your mind. They're doing what God wanted, when God wanted, and yet they're still going to be in the midst of a storm where they despair even of life. Jesus sends them across. And as the storm comes, they're overwhelmed. They're afraid for their lives. They're doing all that they can to keep from sinking. And Jesus comes to them walking on the water. Now, I'm convinced that Jesus came walking on the water intentionally. He could have done anything. I'm convinced that he sent them out in the water knowing the storm was coming so that he could come walking over the top of it. And here's why. At that moment, they feared the waves and the wind more than they feared anything else in the world. What they were most scared of was the water. And Jesus came just walking on the top of it, demonstrating he was greater than what they were afraid of. Peter sees him and he says, Lord, if it's really you, call me, come to you and let me walk on the water too. So Jesus says, well, come on. So Peter climbs out of the boat and he walks a little bit on the water. The Bible says that he noticed the wind and the waves that they were boisterous. And he began to sink. And he, he did fine at first when he was looking at Jesus. When his eyes were on Jesus and he was focused on Jesus, everything was okay. The storm was still going on, but he was having peace in the midst of it. He was overcoming it. Then when he took his eyes off of Jesus and saw how big the waves were, how dangerous they could be, he then began to sink. And that's what happens with us. I mean, we are... We are always going to live in the midst of storms. We are going to go from one storm to another. It's just life. But we can have peace in the midst of the storm as long as we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. As long as we have our eyes on Him. It doesn't make the storms go away. But it does give us peace in the midst of the storm. So we focus on Jesus. Secondly, I need to pour my heart out to Jesus. Pour my heart out to Jesus. That's probably my favorite way the Bible describes prayers. Pouring our hearts out. The reason I like that is because when I envision pouring my heart out, I don't envision necessarily a proper prayer. You know, our Lord, thou art holy and mighty. Thou art great and awesome. Instead, it's more of just poof, here's everything that's going on in my life. This is all that's wrong. This is all that there are. This is everything that's going on. It's just letting it all out at the same time. And the Bible says that prayer is the path to peace. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
regard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul says the antidote to worry is prayer. Rather than worry about anything, we should pray about everything. And what happens is praying helps us with our anxieties and our worries because we are unloading our problems onto God. We are pouring our hearts out to Him. We are telling Him, here's all that's going on. Here's all that I'm wrestling with. And here's all the struggles and trials and things that I feel. And we're just letting it all out. And, you know, in, in a lot of ways, just letting it out is a help all on its own. But knowing that we're casting our cares upon the Lord who cares for us and invited us to do that, that is an even greater help. And as we do this, he says that we are to, to do this with thanksgiving. And I think that's an important part that we often miss. Because in the middle of problems and trials, what often gets left out is thanksgiving. We tend to forget all that God has already done and all that he is currently doing. Instead, all we can see, again, is the problem. It's this one big issue that we're facing. So we pray. We pour our hearts out to God, but we, then we thank Him. We spend time thanking Him for all that He has already done. He, he does hear our prayers. He has saved us. He has answered prayers in the past. We, we have things we can praise God and thank God for. And then after we cast all of our cares upon the Lord with thanksgiving, it says that the, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, it will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And the idea of, of guard our hearts and minds is... Really, that of a military guard. It's a military word. And it speaks of more or less soldiers setting up a perimeter to keep bad guys from coming in. They're guarding the city, and they're not going to let any enemies come in and disrupt things. And as we pray, that's what God's peace does it, it guards our hearts to prevent anxiety and worry and fear from coming in, stressing us out. Now, there's a couple of I think truths that go along with this that, we, that I, I want to point out. One is the kind of prayer that pours out our hearts that gives us the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. It's not a, dear God, fix this problem, amen kind of prayer. It's what the old time preachers used to refer to as praying through. It's the kind of praying where you pray until you know you've reached the throne of heaven. It's, it's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's pouring out your heart to God. That is this kind of a prayer. Remember the story? Jesus is, goes to the garden. And he knows his time is near. And he leads his disciples and he goes to pray alone. And, and the, the, the essence of his prayer is basically, Lord, let this cup pass from me. But if not, your will be done. Now, we look at that and we tend to think that's all he prayed. But it goes on and it says that when he goes back, he finds the disciples sleeping. And what did he say to them? Could you not pray with me for an hour? Right? So the, that, wasn't, that one sentence wasn't the end all of his prayer. That's just the theme of his prayer. He basically prayed for an hour. He went back to the disciples and he kind of got on to them for not praying. He went back and prayed again. The same thing it says. So basically another hour. And then he gets up and comes. The disciples are still sleeping. He goes back again. He prays again. Another hour. And then he comes back, they're still sleeping, and he says, rise, the enemy is at hand, my betrayer, my betrayer is at hand. But he, he had peace in the midst of what he knew was coming, because he prayed through. He poured out his heart to God. But it wasn't, it wasn't the one sentence. 
It was hours of prayer. You know, a lot of times we don't experience the peace that surpasses all understanding because we don't put the time in for prayer that's necessary. I think we forget that praying is is often hard work. I mean, it is it is difficult to really pour your heart out to God to spend that time until we know that we have reached the throne. And, and I don't know how to explain how long it is. Right? It doesn't necessarily mean you have to pray for three hours. But for me, I know when it comes. Right? It's not, dear Lord, help me with this. Amen. But there's a point to where I I know I've reached the throne of grace. I know God has heard me. And anxiety becomes peace. And if I get up from my prayer and I'm still anxious, I'm still worried, I'm still down. I know it's because I didn't take the time necessary to pray until I prayed through. We must commit to taking whatever time is necessary to pray through. I also believe that many times we don't experience peace because we are not having a consistent time of prayer. I mean, honestly, how many times do we neglect our prayer lives until things go wrong? Right? We are not really making a habit of prayer. But then the minute something goes wrong, we take great solace in prayer. And then the minute it fixes, we go back to not praying. Listen, I don't want to make any of us feel guilty. But the fact is... We often don't have peace because we aren't people of prayer. I think there must be a consistency in our prayer lives. Now, thankfully, we can run to God in the hard times and we can pray through and there will be peace. I think that peace is often lost by our failure to continue to pray. If we can keep up a consistent time of prayer with the Lord, there is a consistent level of peace we experience. We need prayer in order to have peace. And then the the final way to have prayer is to surrender my life to Jesus. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. It's page 893 in the Pew Bibles. One of the keys to living a transformed life, to experiencing God's peace, is to live a surrendered life. To live a life that is surrendered to Christ and to His Holy Spirit. In this passage in Galatians 5, it does such a great job of laying that out for us. And with this, I think there are two, two aspects of submission that we have to understand. One is it is a willing and an intentional decision. It's willing and an intentional decision to submit to Jesus, submit to his Holy Spirit. As a kid, I used to willingly or intentionally submit to my brother, but it wasn't willingly. I submitted to my brother because he was bigger than I was, he was stronger than I was, and he would grind his elbow into my head until I gave. I would submit, but it wasn't, wasn't willing. 
I think a lot of times that's how we view submission to Jesus. If we don't submit to us, he's going to hold us down and give us noogies until we say uncle. But that's not the kind of submission the Bible calls for. The kind of submission that the Bible wants us to give to Jesus is both willing and intentional. That I, I want to submit to Jesus because I know that what he offers is better than what the alternative is. And so because what Jesus offers is better, I will submit to him. And, and we see this in, the, in verses 16 and 17. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now, we're familiar with the concept of the struggle that's going on within us, right? The world, the flesh, and the devil are pulling against us. Within us, our flesh, our sinful nature, is ever trying to get us to do opposite of what God wants us to do. At the same time, the Holy Spirit of God is pulling against our flesh, saying, no, no, do what God wants you to do. And the one that wins is the one that we submit to. You see, the the reality is, we're going to submit to one and resist the other no matter what. If I do something that is contrary to God's will, I I resist the spirit and I submit to my flesh. If, on the other hand, I do what God wants me to do, it's because I submit to the spirit and I resist my flesh. It's never a matter of, am I going to submit to something? It's a matter of, who or what am I going to submit to? Right? And I cannot experience the, the peace of God that passes all understanding by submitting to my flesh. I, I must submit to the Holy Spirit. I must make a willing and an intentional decision to do this. No one accidentally serves the Lord. No one accidentally lives a spirit-filled and a spirit-led life. This happens as we, we choose to resist the flesh and submit to the Spirit. And then the final truth that we see about this is that peace flows naturally into a surrendered life. Look at verse 23 and 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, knowledge, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. When we submit to the Holy Spirit, He produces certain, certain fruit in our lives. Right. We could look at the verses before this. It talks about when we submit to the flesh, the works of the flesh are produced in our lives. When we submit to the spirit, the spirit produces the fruit of the spirit in our lives. And the fruit of the spirit are are things that not things that we work at, not things that we do. But this is what the Holy Spirit produces in our lives as we submit to him, as we intentionally decide to follow him. And one of. Part of the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces is peace. The peace of God, it flows naturally into a life that is submitted to Jesus. Because we are resisting the devil, we are resisting the flesh, and we are submitting to the Holy Spirit. And as we submit to the Holy Spirit, He produces these things in our lives. Produces love. Produces joy, produces peace, produces all of these things in our lives. But it does require us to submit to Jesus, to make the willing and intentional decision to submit to Christ, His will and His ways and His Spirit. And when we do these things, when we pray, 
when we focus on Jesus, when we submit to Jesus. We put ourselves in a position to where God will produce and give us His peace. The thing is, every one of us as believers in Jesus Christ, we should have this kind of peace. We should have a peace that passes all understanding. We should have a peace that is greater than our circumstances. We should have a peace that is centered upon Jesus. This is, this is our right as believers in Jesus Christ. And I want us to understand that, that this is something that we can have. This is something that you and I can experience if we're willing to do what it takes to put ourselves in a position to where God will pour this out into our lives. We'll focus on Jesus. Pour our hearts out. We'll surrender to Jesus. We will have peace regardless of the circumstances of our lives. Let's stand as our musicians come forward.